Before we get to episode 182, I'd like to ask for your support of the I Can't See You podcast. Whenever you shop at Amazon, please use my affiliate link, and you can get to it just by going to icantseeyou.com slash Amazon. That'll take you to the Amazon.com homepage. Shop as you normally do, check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost you anymore, and I earn a small commission, usually between 3 and 10%. I really would appreciate it. Again, that's icantseeyou.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 182 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, and I was thinking about it before I hit record... I thought, since I was called a blink about a month and a half ago, and we're now at episode 182, what do you think of? Yes, the band. Say it ain't so. (laughs) Anyway, this is episode 182. I really do appreciate you joining me. And I've got a few things to talk about. And one of them really bothered me the other day when I heard about it. And I heard it first on the news. I don't remember if it was KYW News Radio or 1010 Winds. But they said that Bill Cosby is not attending his civil trial out in L.A. due to being blind from glaucoma. I assure you, I could get on a plane tomorrow, if somebody else would pay, and I could fly to L.A. I don't need any other help. Just pay me, buy me the ticket, I'll go. I'm not too worried about COVID, a little bit, but not too worried. I will show you how I could go to L.A. on my own, let alone Bill Cosby could go to L.A. because he's always got somebody with him. And I love Bill Cosby, and this just irritated me to no end. I think all of these lawsuits and everything that he's gone through are just wrong. He also, everything that he's accused of, I believe he's done in the past, is also wrong. But everything that's piled on since the breaking of that deal with the Montgomery County District Attorney a few years ago is just wrong because none of it should have happened. And I don't want to get into the weeds with this trial from 40, something that happened 48 years ago, but it's just wrong. But just as wrong is saying that he can't get on an airplane and fly to Los Angeles from Philadelphia because he's blind. You're up in the air. You don't see much down on the ground anyway. Unless you're coming in for the landing, then you take a look and you maybe see some buildings and some sites. What does blindness have to do with getting on an airplane and flying to LA? He can get in a car. He can get on a train. And I'm sure he's done all of those things. Maybe not a train. I don't think anybody's seen him on SEPTA. But that just really bothered me. That just put every blind person, oh, they can't do that because they're blind. They can't get on an airplane. Maybe they're afraid he'd get on the wrong airplane. Maybe that was it. And I always worry about when I get on a plane, a train, or a bus, or whatever, that I'm getting on the correct one and going to end up at the correct spot. And I know the day will come when I will not be at the correct spot. But it hasn't happened yet. And when I heard that, that he can't travel because he's blind, just made me crazy. There are a whole bunch of people going to New Orleans who are blind 
in July for the National Federation of the Blind National Convention. I am not one of them, and I'll get into that in a moment. But to say you can't get on a plane and fly to L.A. because you're blind just makes every blind person cringe and make them feel like, hey, what do you mean we can't fly? The ones who are having trouble with their confidence saying, oh, well, Bill Cosby can't do it, so I can't do it. The ones who do do it, and there are a lot of folks that get on planes and go places every day. The ones who do it are saying, what do you mean? We can do it. Stop telling people we can't. So that's it on Bill Cosby. It just, it just really irritated me, and, um, <laughs> and it just made me laugh. And I'll, I'll get into <laughs> some things uh, in a few moments about my dad, uh, but my parents actually met him out in Vegas years and obviously years and years ago now, um, probably in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, he asked them for tasty cakes when they found out my dad had supermarkets. <laughs> I don't know where he was living at the time, but it evidently wasn't in the Philadelphia area. So as far as I said, I I mentioned the NFB National Convention in New Orleans, uh, the 5th through the 10th of July, and I was on the fence back and forth, and I I really did want to go. Here's why I'm not going. Liz was not going to go. She is still a little skeeved by COVID. And... That would have meant just me going, which I, of course, am fine with. I have no trouble traveling on my own. It makes it more of an adventure, and it makes me have to do more things. When I'm with Liz, and she says, okay, here, we're going to go this way, or we're going to go to this gate. We, you know, we just walk together. She either holds my arm or we hold hands. And it makes it obviously a lot easier, and it's not really an adventure then. Once she told me she wasn't going, I started to put the pricing together for what probably would have been eight nights in the hotel and the airfare and then adding on food and other things after that. I don't really drink, so it's, there wouldn't be a large alcohol bill, if any. The airline that I figured I would be using is going to make you all cringe. I was looking at Spirit because they had a flight that was at a good time for me and it was only $176. Of course, I would have purchased the travel insurance, which I may have mentioned in the past. A few episodes ago, I talked about going, and I was back and forth on the fence with it. But once I figured out the airfare, and if I had to take another airline other than Spirit, it would have, instead of being being $176, would have been somewhere north of $400, probably closer to $500 for the round-trip airfare from Philadelphia to New Orleans. And then the hotel would have been around 1100 bucks. That was with a a decent price from the NFB room rate. So when I figured everything out, figuring with airfare and hotel and then a little bit of Ubering here and there, and I'll talk about Uber in a couple of minutes too, and then figuring in food, I was thinking it's probably going to be closer to $2,000. And it certainly would easily be $2,000 if I didn't use the Spirit round trip. Easily two grand. And I didn't want to spend $2,000 to go somewhere without Liz. $2,000, we could go somewhere on our own. And it it would have been better. We haven't really gone on vacation, obviously, in a while. And I didn't want to spend $2,000 without going with Liz, 
with the opportunity maybe down the road going somewhere with Liz. And we're not sure what's going to happen because, as I've mentioned previously, once she's done this school year at Walden, that's it. She's done there. Uh, she didn't want to go back. And so we don't know what she's going to be doing. Not sure what kind of salary she's going to be earning. I, I'm hoping that it's substantially more than what she gets from Walden because Walden was not a lot. So when it, I figured it all out, it just didn't make sense for me to go on my own. There's just a lot of other things that I'd rather do. And again, one of them would be going on vacation with Liz somewhere. And again, it doesn't have to be far, maybe just down to the shore. Uh, Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, I don't know, wherever. Uh, I'd certainly love to look for, <laughs> to love to look for a place to live, a new place to move to. Um, again, Liz is not too comfortable traveling otherwise. So unless we're going to drive on our own, I don't think she'd be too comfortable getting on a plane, especially on a, a long, long trip to Spain or France or Italy. <laughs> okay. Now I mentioned my dad and as I mentioned last week, there was a Memorial Day service. There's always a Memorial Day service at the cemetery where he and my mom are buried. And in fact, my dad used to go to these services. I don't know if you would call it a service. I, I guess you can. And he was honored this year. And it was so nice. And we were surprised how many people were there. I never imagined it would be as well attended as, as it is, as it was this year. Uh, I never went with my dad. He used to just go over. The, he used to live right around the corner from the cemetery uh, when he lived, uh, after they moved from the house that I grew up into a, an apartment in Wallingford. He used to go and obviously would go with his friends who were all in the service back in the day, back during World War II. And it was just such a nice ceremony and again, with all the folks there, I was so happy. And, and I'm pretty sure most of the folks there didn't know who my dad was. And my dad was not huge in the synagogue when he was alive as far as holding places of, whether it's president or any of that stuff. He was never into that. One year, uh, each year they have a fundraising ball. And one year my mom and dad were the co-chairs of that. And it did very well that year too. And it was very cool. They, it was a circus theme and was, it got pretty elaborate. So I wonder if they still do that um, because it was, it was a lot of fun uh, watching that come together and how they made everything uh, there. But my dad did donate a lot of money uh, to the synagogue over the years. <laughs> and I feel bad because when the rabbi initially approached Liz, and as I mentioned before, the rabbi's son is in Liz's preschool class over at Walden. And uh, he had originally pitched it to Liz. And when Liz told me, I got to be honest with you, I said, how much does that cost? <laughs> because that's what used to happen when they would come to my dad. Josh, we need a blank. And you fill in the blank. And my dad would say, okay, how much does that cost? And they would tell him and he would say, okay, I'll do it in X number of payments over X number of years. Or sure. I'll get you a check. And he started to spread the payments out over years as, as a donation that way because his accountant and best friend told him that would be better to give it over time so he could deduct it each year as opposed to the one year, I'm guessing. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure on that. 
So he paid for things at the synagogue, like the big sign that's in front. And I don't know what that would cost today, but back in the day when they first put that up, it was around 10 grand. And then about a decade after they put it up, a lady ran into it and broke it. And it's this big cement sign that is low to the ground. And evidently she hit it so hard that she knocked it off the foundation. I'm not quite sure, but it was, it was a big sign. And I, <laughs> I don't remember if he also paid for the second fence or what happened if insurance covered. I, I don't remember. Again, it was a long time ago. So he did things like that when, when they needed money for different things. And so, again, when the rabbi came and asked, he never gave, he said, hey, well, you know, we could use a donation. And, and, and again, I know I could just feel it while at the cemetery, while here and thinking about the ceremony. I could hear my dad saying, well, how much are you going to give him? You should give him something. I could hear him in my mind. I could hear him telling me, you got to give him money. And at first, I was thinking, it's got to be fairly substantial, and, and I just really wasn't comfortable giving $1,000 or $2,000. Liz and I talked about it for a little bit, and again, not knowing what Liz is going to do next, we didn't want to do too much, but we wanted to, we can't give them $50. So we ended up giving a donation that was decent enough, but also hurt a little bit. <laughs> and... It's funny how we usually, when we make a donation to the synagogue, we have to write the check and then go to the synagogue and do it. But again, since the rabbi is in to drop his son off, Liz just gave it to him today. So, but the service was so nice. And I have a video. I was, I was hoping that I would be able to pull the audio off of it and just play it here because it's not very long. It's only four or five minutes long. And I was hoping to play it here, but I, I couldn't find the software. I couldn't find online where to do it. And I didn't want to buy the software and have to figure out how to do that. I have a million other things, and I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm going to put the video up. If you're not friends with me on Facebook, where you've already seen it, and I think I put it up publicly on Facebook, again, facebook.com slash David Benj. You can check it out there. Or later tonight, I'm going to put it up on YouTube, youtube.com slash David Benj. And you can hear the, the rabbi's speech and... We had gone over everything that he was going to say, and I had given him some of the information. And uh, it, it just, it's just, it's a great story, and I'm so sorry that I never got any kind of audio or video recordings of him telling the stories, especially after, I may have mentioned this last week or a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Ed Johnson. He actually, they made a video of him, and he actually was the one in the video. So it was nice to hear his words. It was about his life in his words. And this would have been great to get all that information from my dad in his own words, because the stories were great. I mean, all sorts of great stories. From the plane being shot down and them trying to stay on it until they got to Switzerland, to the fact that if somebody didn't put the landing gear down, my dad wouldn't have been able to get out of the plane. Uh, just a lot of, lot of great stories. But I, again, you can check out the video. It'll be on YouTube later tonight. That's uh, Thursday, the 2nd of June. I've already set a reminder on my phone not to forget to put it up. <laughs> and I should have put it up before now, but again, busy with stuff. One of the things that the rabbi mentioned, and I had, we had talked about it when he did the initial call and got some information from me, one of the things, when my dad was being moved around as a POW, he was a POW for about 13 months, 
some days they would march from point A to point B. And, and it, it kind of reminded me when he was telling me these stories, it kind of reminded me of how classes worked in middle school or high school. Usually you had a 50-minute class and then you had a little bit of a break. That's what they did. That's what, I don't know if it's the Geneva Convention that said you can only march them 50 minutes every hour. I'm not sure where those numbers came from, but that's what he said they did. But sometimes they moved them by train. Now, it wasn't like they boarded them on Amtrak or SEPTA. They put them in boxcars. And one of the frightening things that he said when they were in the boxcars was they would leave them in the boxcars sometimes overnight, not moving. And... He said more than once, the RAF, the Royal Air Force, was bombing in the area where these boxcars were. And they were terrified that they were going to, they were thinking it was, they were moving food or they were moving cattle or whatever. And they wouldn't realize that there were people in these boxcars. But fortunately for my dad, they did not bomb the boxcars that he was in ever. I, and I don't know that any of them ever had been hit. But that makes me transition into this. Jane was down for the weekend, for the holiday weekend, and she actually did a reading and did a great job at the ceremony for my dad. And she was going home that afternoon. So we went to the cemetery, did the ceremony. Then afterwards, Liz, Jane, and I went to the townhouse in media for lunch. Jacob uh, had some issues with his knees, so he didn't he didn't come along with us. And it's a lot easier just going to media. We were going to bring him lunch back after, uh, after we were done. So we did the ceremony. We went to lunch and Jane had a little bit of time with Ziggy afterwards. And then Liz took her to the train at 30th street station in Philadelphia. She gets on the train and she texts me. She said, it's so unbelievably hot on here. I don't know what's going on. And they weren't moving yet. So I thought, well, you know what? Maybe once the train starts to move, they'll, you know, sometimes you get on an airplane and everything doesn't come on until right before they, you know, back away from the gate. So I said, just give it a second and see once you start moving, if it gets any better. <laughs> and it never did. And I said to her, I said, well, you know, they're probably trying to give you the same treatment that Pop-Up got from the Nazis when they were moving him in the boxcars. And the Amtrak folks knew how bad it was, because obviously they were on the train as well, but they didn't, they weren't able to do anything. They didn't leave the doors open to get a little bit of breeze through there. She didn't have any water on her. She usually has a water bottle, which she had, but she had packed it in her bag, which of course was a mistake too, because there was no cafe car on this train. So she couldn't go and get water. And... It was a really hot day that day. I, I, I think it went into the low 90s. So obviously she wasn't the only one complaining. But when she got back to New York, I said, well, why don't, you, why don't you complain about it? Why don't you fill out some form on Amtrak's website or do whatever? You know, maybe you'll get something for your inconvenience and your little bit of, uh, again, that's what you really call sweat equity there, right? <laughs> so she tried to call. She couldn't call. She tried to go on the website. The page kept giving her an error where she had to fill out the form. And so to this point, I don't know that she's ever actually complained to Amtrak. I said, you know what? Just tweet at them and be done with it. 
She can't say she's never going to do it again because it's the easiest way for her to come home. It's the easiest and fastest way for her to come home. So that makes me think of another issue, again, that Jane had recently, but I've also had, and I may have mentioned it a few weeks ago when I was at our last Keystone chapter meeting, and then we looked at Cycle Bar at 1521 Locust Street, where we're having a fundraiser on the 25th of June, and it is a spin class that once I have a link, I will share it with everyone, and I'm hoping to have a link in the next day or two. For $25, you get this spin class. It's 45 minutes. Um, but when we were leaving that, and we had lunch with a few of the chapter members that night, that afternoon, I had to get, I had to order the Uber twice. And it actually took me, it was the, I want to say it was the fourth one that I actually, that actually showed up. The first guy had ended up saying that I canceled. And that's why I had to re-enter everything. And it wasn't just me coming home. There were a couple of other stops. I was taking, we were, along the way, we were going to drop some other folks off. Well, Jane was telling me last night, she and her roommate ordered, we're going to get Uber Eats. And, <laughs> and this is one thing that I don't get. And she may be listening to this. So, Janie, I know you've heard this already. The place that they were ordering from is probably a seven-minute walk at best. Or at worst, I should say. Might be a little quicker. After the story I heard the other day on the news that eight out of ten of the food delivery drivers, not just Uber Eats, but DoorDash, all of them, eight out of ten said that they've eaten stuff from the order they're delivering at one time or another. So because this place was so close and only a few blocks away, I would have just gone and picked it up. But they didn't. They ordered Uber Eats. Place closes at 8. They ordered 7.20-ish. Supposed to be there at 7.45 or so. The Uber driver was supposed to be there-ish. And he starts texting he's, uh, or messaging, saying that you know he's been delayed and he's been delayed. Finally, he cancels. Now it's 8 o'clock, and so... Jane calls the restaurant and said, hey, we've ordered these sandwiches and fries. We know you close at eight. Is somebody going to be there? Because the Uber driver, the Uber delivery guy is not there yet, obviously. They told her yes, and they'd be there for 45 minutes. It took about an hour to a little over an hour to get their food. And this time Jane was able to complain, and it wasn't an issue other than the fact that it took over an hour to get their to get their food and they were eating dinner at well past 8:30 at night and i just find this just the way things are now people don't care that first uber driver why did he cancel who knows but it's it makes to, it makes me think when you order an uber it's so unreliable are you going to get picked up? How long are you going to have to wait to get picked up? Or how long are you going to have to wait for your food? And I'm going to seg into another story. I got a call the other day from Lynn Heights, who is the president of the NFB of Pennsylvania. And usually when Lynn calls, <laughs> it's to give me some ideas for 
White Canes Connect episodes. And I'll talk about White Canes Connect in a little bit. But she wasn't calling about that when she called me on Monday. And, and it's funny because when she first called and I answered, I was in the middle of texting someone. It was early. It was before my alarm usually goes off. So I hadn't been in the shower yet. My voice sounds terrible. But I was texting with someone. Well, lately, my phone doesn't want to stop talking, kind of like me. And I'm trying to listen to Lynn and trying to stop my phone from reading a text that had come in from my response to a previous text that I had sent this person. And all that I could hear is my text or my friend's text telling me what's going on. And I, I asked Lynn to hang on a second until I said I, I couldn't get my phone to stop. And so she's telling me about this man named Kirk. Kirk is a participant in the business enterprise program. And I had talked to Kirk when we were at the leadership event in State College back in March about the BEP. And he was saying that it is very difficult to get employees. And as I've mentioned countless times here, that's not the part of the BEP I want. I wanted the vending side of things where it could just be Liz and I, and we would make it work with that because we don't need anybody else. I don't want a business with employees. I don't mind having a business and hiring vendors as I do with digital graphics design when I need them. But I don't want to do it for a business. And Kirk was having trouble finding employees. And he has, even though he lives in Allentown, he has a, I don't know what you would call it. It's not a, it's kind of like a little convenience store. Chips and sodas and other snacks and hot dogs and things like that. It's kind of like a Wawa. I'm sorry. It's kind of like a 7-Eleven. Maybe you understand that one better. Again, Wawa is a big convenience chain uh, in the Mid-Atlantic, primarily in the Philadelphia area. But as we've mentioned before, as I've mentioned before, goes up into New York. There may be some even further north. There's a couple in Florida. I don't know, other than the ones in Florida, I don't know where it stops going south. I don't know if it goes into Virginia, if it goes into Maryland, not 100%. But Kirk is having trouble finding people to work. And Lynn asked if I'd be interested, since I'm interested in the BEP, if I'd be interested in helping Kirk out. And I said yes, even though this wasn't the BEP business that I want. I want there's, there's a couple of options. Again, the vending, where you basically are just driving from location to location, filling vending machines and collecting the money from them. Or there's these little, I don't know if you want to call them grab-and-goes, convenience stores. They're in big buildings, though. They're in, uh, Kirk's Place is in uh, the federal courthouse in Philadelphia, at 6th and Arch, and there's another place in Philadelphia that's connected to that building that's at 6th and Market. I'm not sure which is which. Um, there's a, a state building. So they're inside these buildings. So kind of a... Um, you, you've got folks that... A whole bunch of folks... Well, it used to be a whole bunch of folks that work there until COVID, and now maybe it's partially full. I don't know how many folks get to work from home when you work for the government... Uh, especially if you're talking about the federal courthouse where obviously trials are going on and things like that. But you have a captive audience. And 
again, sounds like it could be a, a good thing, but I don't want to have to hire employees. And I certainly don't want to work from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. And when I say every day, it's this is retail, but it's not retail like like West Coast Video Retail, 10 to 10 Monday through Saturday and 10 to 8 on Sunday. Again, that's really dating myself. Just thinking about a video store when you have Netflix and everything else. <laughs> so Lynn said, Lynn asked if I would help and if I was interested. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I would do it. Not on a long-term basis, but a temporary basis. And temporary a few months. I don't know how far into, into September I'd go. Um, so she gave me Kirk's email address, which I believe I already had anyway, but I, I emailed Kirk and I told him what I was interested in, how I would help out and that there were a few other issues, transportation. I I certainly couldn't get there by six. The first train from Swarthmore doesn't leave until a little past six. So we talked on the phone and kind of figured things out. And I'll start in a couple of weeks because I'm still working, trying to get these websites done. I've got White Canes Connect that I'm working on and realblindtechshow.com that I'm working on. I'm hoping to have Real Blind Tech Show done within the next, I was hoping it would be done by the end of this week. I'm having a little bit of trouble, so probably not by the end of this week, hopefully by next week. Uh, But now I really have a deadline because I'm going to be doing this every day during the week, it seems. So I'm interested to see how it is, number one. I'm interested to see how I do with it because it is something that, not just my vision that I'm worried about. For example, today was a very bad day for me with my hands and feet. They just hurt so much. They're very swollen. I'm dropping stuff all over the place because I can't hold on to it with my hands. And again, I usually don't have trouble standing for a good amount of time. And and Kirk told me the other day when we spoke that there are chairs there to sit in. And I'm not, (laughs) as anybody who knows me at meetings and things like that, even at the ceremony for my dad, I stood for most of it. Um, So I'm I'm usually happy standing. I don't know about eight hours straight, but I can certainly do four or five hours without it, without an issue. And we'll see how that goes because we're going to a concert on Sunday night. That is, we'll, we'll be standing for the duration, probably about three and a half, four hours. So that's not the issue, but I'm worried about my hands and giving change with money. It's hard for me to, for example, open Ziploc, but not Ziploc bags, the kind that you have to pull apart, um, I don't know what they're called now. Uh, the Ziploc ones to me are the ones that have the little slide on them. And those those I can do. But to pull the bag apart and then seal it back up uh, or to get, for example, I had to get tinfoil out the other day for Liz and I just couldn't feel the tinfoil to grab it and, and pull it out. I couldn't find the end. So I'm interested to see how easy it is for me to give change. I can do the math. The math is the easy part. For some, that's the hard part. But the math is the easy part for me. So I'm interested to see how I do. And and the traveling to and from Philadelphia, again, because of where it is, it's right in Center City, Philadelphia, actually very close to all of the historical places in Old City, Philadelphia, Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, the Constitution Center. Liberty Bell is right at the corner of Fifth and Market. 
actually that might be sixth in market. Never mind, sixth in market. So, so very close there. So it'll be nice to go down. And again, I, there's just something about being in that area when you see Independence Hall and all that stuff, and you think of all the things that went on there back in the day when this country wasn't a country, and how how cool it is to be down there with that. So I'm interested to see going there, how I do working it, how I feel that night, how I get used to a new schedule. Uh, because lately, as I've mentioned before, um, I do work from usually from midnight to around 4 a.m., go to sleep till about 8.30, get up, play with Ziggy for the good part of the day. Sometimes I will briefly come down and send an email. I don't like to send a, an important email on my phone because I use dictation and y'all know how dictation is. That's why my phone is named Emily Latella. Um, so, so I'm interested to see how I do. And, and I'm hoping, again, when I woke up today and, and as, as I was doing things today, I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to work for seven or eight hours when I feel like this? So I'll let you know how it is <laughs> and how I do it. Now, I did mention White Cane's Connect earlier. And the episode that we have coming out this week is one with a couple of folks from an organization called Eyes Like Mine. And that was founded on helping, I guess you would, I mean, girls are 18, but women primarily, women from 18 to, I don't, I don't remember the upper end of the, the scale. It's basically a pageant, but it's to build their confidence it's to build their self-esteem and it's to help them be the most that they can be even though they're blind or visually impaired. There is a general title of a pageant winner who then is the, for a year, has the duties, you know, kind of like Miss America. Your appearance is not figured into any of it. There's different things that you do. The one who was on with the folks with eyes like mine was this year's Miss Independent. Her name is Tia. And I think I mentioned her last week. She's from Kingston, Jamaica. And I think it's the first time I talked to somebody from Kingston, Jamaica, while they were in Kingston, Jamaica. And she does social media managing and a few other things there and has a, has a company that she runs there to help other disabled folks get work and show them that they can do just because they're disabled, that they can still do stuff and still have a job. Unlike Bill Cosby, who's saying that he can't fly because he's blind. He, you know, even bats can fly when they're blind. She's showing that folks can do that. And all of them had such great energy, and it was so nice to speak to them about this project that the two folks from Eyes Like Mine are involved in, and then Tia, of course as a business owner and trying to help other women in the same boat as her, she's also blind, to be the best that they can be. And uh, it was a nice interview. Uh, I'm still editing, so I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but it is going to be the next episode. It'll be episode 36 of White Canes Connect. I'm hoping that it'll be out by Friday the 3rd, that's tomorrow. I'm recording this on the 2nd of June. Not 100%. When there's extra people in there, sometimes it makes it a little tricky to, uh, to edit. 
So if not tomorrow, sometime over the weekend, again, it'll be White Canes Connect episode 036. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a few other places, iHeart and Audible. And uh, again, the energy was just great. It was just so nice to have these folks. And it, it was funny because uh, Stacy and I, Stacy was co-hosting that episode, filling in for Lisa. And there were times that they just started asking themselves questions. And they just kept going. There were times when we might have run a few minutes without hearing from Stacy or I. So, uh, so check that out. Again, White Canes Connect, episode 036. That's all I have for you this week. Again, episode 182 of the I Can't See You podcast. And remember, because I'm a Blink, and it's episode 182, just get your favorite Blink 182 song in your head and just hum it to yourself or sing it out loud. I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do appreciate you listening. Remember, please rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I really would appreciate it. It'll help it grow. If you've got questions, comments, show ideas, reach out. Area code 646-926-6350. Again, 646-926-6350. You've got up to three minutes. Leave your name in town. If you do leave a voicemail, questions, comments, show ideas, whatever you've got, please leave it at that number. Again, 646-926-6350. I'd appreciate it. Or you can always reach out via email, podcast at gmail.com. As always, show notes will be available at icantseeyou.com slash 182. I can't see you. Sounds like a whole sentence. It's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 182. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Please stay safe, be well, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.